Welcome to Making It Happen, a podcast all about sharing stories of those who have made it happen their way. This is about motivating those from all walks of life to know that no matter where you come from, no matter who you are, and especially no matter how old you are, that you can make whatever you want to happen a reality. These stories have inspired me, and I know they will inspire you. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Making It Happen. I'm your host, Ada Ruth Huntley, and as always, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in today. For those of you who are new here, this podcast is all about sharing incredible stories of young people to encourage anyone and everyone that nothing is stopping you from following your dreams and making it happen. That being said, I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest. Today, I welcome Isaiah Martin to the podcast. I'm so thrilled to have him on the show this morning and share his story. How are you doing, Isaiah? Doing amazing. Uh, Definitely. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, of course. I'm so excited to have you. Now, before we get started, I want to give everyone an idea of your amazing accomplishments in your story and what you do. Isaiah's entrepreneurial beginning started as early as 13 years old, and he has not stopped since. After developing a history of getting things done, Isaiah was selected to become chairman of the Houston area UNCF Gala, an annual fundraiser that raises money for underprivileged youth African-American high school kids to attend college. While serving as the first ever two-year chairman, Isaiah's team was responsible for raising over $150,000 for the fund, breaking the record for any chairman to date. After leaving UNCF, Isaiah wanted to start his first major corporate venture while seeking to make a difference in his city. After a parent in a coffee shop complained about how their child's sports team didn't value academics, Isaiah created Team Future Athletics, a youth basketball organization that strived to prove one idea. Athletes can compete at the highest level of athletics while also competing at the highest level in the classroom. Team Future employed local school district administrators, as well as former D1 basketball players, to encourage a curriculum that would feature career planning, SAT and ACT prep, personalized subject tutors, as well as professional coaching, which would create a culture conducive for success. Isaiah's idea proved to be a reality. Not only did the team have a 33-9 while capturing five major platinum division championships, but all players also maintained an A-B report card while seeing grade increases across the board. After receiving national media attention, Isaiah was dubbed, quote-unquote, Mini Mark Cuban by CBS after drawing comparison to Dallas Mavericks owner and Shark Tank star Mark Cuban. Similar to Cuban and the Mavericks, Isaiah was the youngest owner and CEO of a club sports organization in history. Isaiah decided to attend University of Houston for his undergraduate studies, and on a cold February in 2019, a question popped up between Isaiah's study group as to why UH is not often held in the same conversation nationally, though it's ranked 185 in U.S. News and World Report, as the University of Texas ranked 48 in U.S. News and World Report, and Texas A&M University ranked 70 in U.S. News and World Report. After doing more research, he saw that there were three glaring weaknesses. Only two-thirds of the students who walk through the doors of orientation will ever be able to sing our alma mater on graduation night. Women are being sexually assaulted on campus while not given the support they need to report their transgressors, and a vast amount of students don't even feel safe walking to their car at night. All three weaknesses lower the brand for the university and lead to a lower ranking, which in turn leads to a degree with less value as compared to top two state schools. 
After not seeing any of the weaknesses on any student government agenda, Isaiah decided it was time to run for student body president to ensure that the issues affecting the day-to-day lives of the student body were officially represented. His campaign got a lot of attention, both state and nationwide. And although he did not win, it has propelled him into many exciting ventures to help students, including the establishment of For the Students. So I don't want to spoil everything for everybody because there's a lot to unpack there with all of Isaiah's amazing accomplishments. But I think first we're going to start with your business venture. So you were able to start your first business when you were just 15 years old. What was that like and how did you continue to persevere despite your young age? Yeah, you know, it was definitely uh, an experience to say the least. Uh, You know, when you're that young and you're, you know, in the business world, a lot of people won't take you seriously. But, you know, the one thing that I always learned is, you know, through staying organized and, you know, working harder than the next person that if you just continue, you know, good things will end up happening. And so uh, as we, you know, pushed on uh, through the years and we just got more organized, it got better and better. And, you know, it led to my next steps. Absolutely. And you actually started your first entrepreneurial venture when you were 13. Do you want to tell us about that experience? I did. Yeah. So (laughs) this is funny. So when my family uh, actually owns event centers uh, in the city of Houston and, um, you know, it used to, we used to own two, but now it's just one. But at the time uh, I was young, probably, you know, like I said, 13 years old. And at this time, the iPad mini for those of you guys that remember that, you know, it was, uh, it was the newest thing on the block. Everybody wanted one. And, you know, I begged my parents. I was like, man, can I please have an iPad mini? Like, you know, I really wanted one. And my dad was like, you want one, go buy it yourself. You know, as a young 13-year-old kid, you're like, how am I going to get two or $300 to go buy an iPad? Like, where am I going to get this from? But So I sat down and I thought about it all day. Like, actually, it probably was for multiple days. I sat down and was like, where am I going to get this money? And so I realized that, Every Wednesday, there was a yoga class that was going on at our event center. And, you know, people would come in and they'd work out and then they'd leave. But I noticed that they were always, you know, asking for water and, you know, different things to drink because they wanted, you know, they were thirsty. And so I said, huh, we have a margarita machine in the back. Now, no, I didn't sell margaritas, (laughs) but I realized I could create a frozen lemonade and I could offer it to all of the people you know, coming in and working out. And the caveat was that I had a younger brother. And so my younger brother was about maybe eight or nine years old. He was small. And so I went out and I gave him a little push cart and we had these little small cups that we used for free samples. And so while the individuals were working out, he would push this little cart and have the free samples and offered it to each and every one of the participants uh, in the class. And so Obviously, they saw this little cute nine-year-old with free samples. They say, man, we want to buy one. So we ended up selling the whole summer, every single Wednesday. Uh, We ended up selling out all of our product every single week. And we eventually made so much money that, yes, I was able to buy the iPad, but I was also able to buy my younger brother one, too. So it really kind of taught me, you know, how to think outside the box and to, you know, offer products that are needed, you know, in your community. And that go-getter attitude certainly didn't stop when you got to the University of Houston and identifying needs in your community because you then decided to run for SJ president. What was that experience like? Yeah, well, I mean, for starters, I mean, running for SJ president at UH was definitely one of the highlights of my life. Uh, I got to meet thousands of students and hear concerns and stories from 
people across a variety of different backgrounds. You know, we had, you know, a really great team and it was solid. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, once uh, the election came to a close, there was a lot of, uh, I would say, foul things that happened. But I, I don't know. That's some tea. You want to you hear some tea? I'm here for the tea, always. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. So let, let's, let's unpack, right? So when I was running for student body president, the whole process, you know, it started maybe, I would say, a year before I started running. Uh, you know, we, you know, identified the fact that, you know, like you said earlier, that there was a lot of issues going on in our university that just simply weren't being addressed. Um, so we went and got, you know, a really large team of, because at U of H, uh, the way our SGA works, we have senators and then we have, you know, the president and vice president. And so uh, the senators went and had backgrounds from a large array uh, of U of H students. And so we, you know, got the support of, you know, almost all of the athletic department, you know, we got every fraternity and sorority was behind us. I mean, we were really uh, had a wide array of coalition. Um, so when announcement day came, uh, we announced our candidacy and instantly, it, I would say it just took off on campus. I mean, we just, everybody was reposting us. I mean, the basketball team, you know, the governor of Texas uh, had shouted us out, a, a senator from Texas, uh, Congress people. I mean, it was really just a really huge, uh, you know, endeavor. I know even the mayor of San Antonio, which I hadn't even, I mean, it was awesome, you know, because everybody was rallying together to, uh, you know, voice uh, solutions to student problems on campus. So the issue was that I was running against the incumbent party of uh, SGA. And this party had been in power for the past four years, and they controlled pretty much all factions of student government. Um, they had their own. The election commissioner was best friends with uh, the student body president uh, at the time. And, uh, you know, the uh, attorney general was also in this party. I mean, it was just, it was a really large gorilla, I would say. Um, so when I announced, there was this widespread sense of what are we going to do? And so once that got started, immediately upon announcement, so we have this thing at U of H called uh, the Supreme Court. And so the court pretty much oversees kind of, you know, what goes on in SGA. And previous to my election, the most any one candidate had ever been, you know, sued through this court was about, I would say, six or seven times. At the end of my election, I got sued. 24 times. So, I mean, it was like, it was a really long ordeal. And honestly, you know, we had a really good legal team because I kind of expected that something like this was going to happen. But the one area where we, I guess, where they got us was that, you know, they passed this opinion that said that student body president candidates are responsible to the actions of their supporters. And so they passed this little known rule that said that Voting materials could not be worn inside of the residential halls, inside of the libraries, the student centers, the basketball arenas, football. State, like it, it couldn't be worn pretty much anywhere outside, anywhere except for outside. And so I emailed the attorney general. I said, so what, what am I supposed to do? Because at this time, you know, we had already passed out maybe I would say a thousand, you know, buttons and stickers and cards and such. He said, so what are we supposed to do? He said, oh, he said, um, email them. And I said, well, how am I supposed to email a thousand people? Like, like what? It's, right. What, so what they did was they went and they sat in the library, they sat in the student center and they waited until they saw someone with a For the Student sticker or with an Isaiah sticker. And they just went and docked me each and every time. And so they took me to court and they said, well, you know, 
we can't technically ban you for all the days, but we can give you one day to campaign. So the voting period at U of H, I think was seven or six days. You know, we only were allowed to campaign for that last day. The incumbent president right now, she ended up getting 1,600 votes. And in my one day, I got about 800. So, you know, you can kind of do the math. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm really, you know, happy for my time, you know, running, you know, at U of H. It was a really good experience and it really gave me the opportunity to connect with a lot of different students from a lot of different backgrounds. Absolutely. And I'm so sorry that happened to you. It's deeply unfair. And trust me, if that had happened at Auburn, people would have gotten words from me. So you're a lot better than me and how you handled that. But despite the loss, you've continued to be involved in your campus through the organization that you started called For the Students. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about that and what inspired you to start this venture. Right. So I'm not going to (laughs) lie. After I lost the election, I was kind of done. I mean, uh, I had started a a hedge fund with a close personal friend of mine. And, uh, you know, we were really just focused on that. Um, We created an algorithm and, you know, we were just fixing it and updating it as, you know, time went on. But throughout my time at the University of Houston, uh, a really close personal friend of mine, uh, she was uh, my first grade, uh, I'm sorry, not first grade, she was my eighth grade CCE teacher, Sunday school. You know, she worked at the University of Houston and was really just a fixture in my life. Uh, I would go and I would eat lunch with her uh, time to time again, you know, as, you know, I got older, you know, from freshman year all the way up into senior year. And she was really just there for me, you know, during all the election stuff that I was dealing with. And so after the election, she always kind of told me, hey, Isaiah, you know, you really have a platform, you know, on campus. You really should you know, still fight for the concerns that you were voicing during your election. And I was like, oh, her name was Miss Davis. And I said, oh, Miss Davis, no, like, it's not really my place. Like, I'm not like, you know, the SGA president, like, that's her job. Like, you know, I'm just going to go and focus on my company and my family and and graduate and look for what's next. And so she was like, Isaiah, you need to rethink this, blah, 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 blah. And so I would say this was in maybe October or no, 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 this was, September, September, October. I was supposed to go see her because I always eat lunch with her at the beginning of every semester. And for some reason, I just didn't this year. Uh, You know, with COVID going on and I was just like, ah, you know, I'll I'll see her next year. Well, coincidentally, she tragically passed away uh, unexpectedly. uh, Out of the blue, she just passed away. No warning, no anything. And so I remember, you know, going to her funeral and, and thinking like, you know, I, I really need to do, you know, what Miss Davis challenged me to do. And, and you're right. She was right. You know, I had you know, a platform and a voice and, you know, I wanted to, to go out and, and honor her memory. So immediately before the students, uh, I got back with, you know, a lot of the people that were on my campaign. I was like, hey, you know, are you still interested in doing, you know, the issues that we discuss? And, you know, they immediately uh, jumped on board. So we got a team of about 10 or 11 and really just started fighting for, you know, those issues and concerns that, you know, have voiced so strongly with the students in the University of Houston and administrators at like uh, at our school. Incredible. And first, I'm so sorry for your loss, but second, what a legacy that Miss Davis inspired in you to continue to help students. And yet with all of this going on, you've continued to be a public speaker, a full-time student, and a business owner. How do you manage your time in all of this? Right. You know, I would say thank 
I'm very, very thankful to have an amazing team behind me because all of this wouldn't be possible, you know, on my own. You know, they really helped me, you know, manage my time and, and figure out, you know, what is the best, you know, for each, you know, month, I would say. So I really try to divide my months up, you know, to say, hey, look, I'm going to spend three days working on this. I'm going to spend three days working on that and really devote myself 100% to whatever I'm working on and, you know, and try to delegate as much as I can to ensure that everything has, uh, you know, the best front to it. Absolutely. Time management is certainly a skill that I've had to learn and also stress management. And I know one thing that we've talked about previously is how you've struggled in the past to manage your stress. How have you learned to do this better? And more importantly, how do you practice self-care? Because anybody that's been listening to the podcast for a while knows I'm a huge advocate for mental health. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, you know, because like we talked about earlier, you know, I used to be somebody that would let stress really dominate my life. You know, I would have times where, you know, if so much was going on, I would just, you know, isolate myself and be unproductive. But the one thing that I've always learned is, you know, you got to take time to just disappear, right? And so what I mean by disappear is really just like, go find that safe space, go find a, a place, go, you know, off for me. You know, I like to try to, I love, I'm a big traveler. You know, I love to go to you know, I, all my friends will tell you, I'm a, I'm a big LA guy. You know, I love going to LA sporting events. So I'm the first person to try to dash out of here, you know, spend some time away, you know. But when I'm gone, you know, I don't worry about for the students. I don't worry about U of H. I don't really worry about, you know, what uh, I have to do when I get back because it's all about, you know, trying to heal myself and, and really just get some time away to, you know, really be that productive person that I know I can be. That's awesome. Self-care is so important to allow you to be your best self in the different spaces that you occupy, especially with you having so many people dependent on you, you know, you can't function if you're running on E. And that's something that I've certainly had to learn in my leadership roles. So what's next for you post U of H? Yeah. You know, I'm going to, you know, I'm always going to be around to keep fighting for these issues because, you know, I've at least seen that, you know, I have a really strong passion for helping others and just being there, uh, and being a voice for people who don't necessarily have one. And so I want to try to continue to address these issues um, that we fight for, you know, at the University of Houston, you know, outside of that. Um, you know, I'm a big you know, proponent of tackling food insecurity. I'm a big proponent in making sure that voter suppression doesn't exist. Uh, I'm a big proponent in ensuring that everybody has an equal opportunity to succeed, no matter where you come from and who you are. So I'm always going to keep fighting for those issues. I'm not really sure what medium that's going to be, but I know uh, as soon as I graduate, you know, none of that is going to change. So you've been able to accomplish so much. And I know people are going to get so much out of hearing your story and listening to this episode. But of course, just like every other episode, have to close out with how would you encourage anyone listening to make it happen in their own life? Yeah, so I would say, you know, and you mentioned this earlier, but there is nothing that is impossible. You know, anything that you set your mind to, you can achieve. You know, because when I first walked on the doors of the University of Houston, I never would have dreamed that I could have been able to, you know, tackle some of the things that I thought of. You know, when I thought of the idea to turn TDECU Stadium, which is our football stadium, into a super polling site, you know, there was some people uh, in the background that laughed at that idea saying it never could happen. It happened. You know, when I said that uh, we wanted to, you know, raise, you know, a ton of food for, families facing food insecurity. People laughed and said, oh, Isaiah, that can never happen. It happened. So if you put your mind to it and you stay diligent and you keep working hard, anything and any goal that you have will, you know, be able to be achieved. So 
definitely, you know, aim high, dream big, and you'll make sure that you achieve them. So for sure. Some might even say you can make it happen. Um, sorry, I had, to, <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw that one out there. Um, Isaiah, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your incredible story and awesome insights. I know people are going to get so much out of hearing this. For those of you listening, if you don't want to miss an episode, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode each and every week from wherever you're getting this podcast. If you like this episode, please leave a review wherever you're listening. I would absolutely love to see your feedback. And lastly, be sure to follow the Instagram page at making it happen underscore podcast for new content regularly about the show. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you got something out of this and are ready to go make it happen. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of making it happen. I hope that you join me each week for a brand new episode and are sure to follow the podcast Instagram page at making it happen underscore podcast. I hope that you left this episode inspired and are ready to go make it happen.